Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Dialogue on Divorce. I'm Katherine Miller. I'm the founder of the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding and Conflict. And I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity and respect. And I, my guests today are Dr. Jill Murray and Adam Dodge. Uh, Jill is one of the nation's leading experts on unhealthy relationships, and she's written a number of books on that topic, and I imagine others having to do with mental health. And she has a therapy practice uh, based in Laguna Niguel, California. And Adam, he's a former divorce attorney who now devotes his career to empowering women to represent themselves in family law proceedings. And he's the legal director of Laura's House, where he works to advocate for the legal rights of domestic violence survivors and their children. Welcome, Jill and Adam. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Catherine. Thanks for having us. And you are the authors together of a recent book called The Empowered Women's Guide to Divorce. And Jill, maybe you can tell us what sort of led you to want to write that book and to take the action to actually do it. Thanks, Catherine. It's sort of an interesting story. I sort of had this idea on my brain for about seven years as a therapist. I would have women come into my practice and they were unhappy in their marriages, but they had children or they were afraid to get divorced or their husbands had told them that they're never going to get a penny, they won't have their kids, they're going to take the house, you know, all these sort of emotional fears. And they were asking me for legal advice. You know, so what's going to happen in court? And am I going to get the house? And, and is he right that he's going to leave me without a penny and I'm going to be sleeping on a floor? And it, all these sort of horrible things. And I'm not a lawyer, I'm a therapist. So I would refer them to family law attorneys that I was familiar with that I had confidence in. And I would find out from family law attorneys, as you probably know as well, that when clients come to you, whether they're considering divorce or going through the process of divorce, they're really kind of emotional wrecks. I mean, it's really an emotional process and and it involves so much stamina and so much is involved in this. They would tell me, wow, if I could get them into therapy, because they're using me as their therapist, and I'm a really expensive therapist, you know, and I don't have a therapy background. I really can't treat them. But it would make my life easier as an attorney in their case if they would be able to have therapy or they would be able to manage themselves emotionally better. And I thought about this intersection between the emotional and the legal aspects of divorce and how difficult that is. And I thought, well, how come there's no books about that? That would really be an outstanding resource to women. And it would be an outstanding resource to therapists and family law practitioners as well. And I kind of auditioned several family law attorneys to write the book with me. And they kept on writing things that sounded like legal briefs, which is not something that I wanted. And then I found Adam. And Adam and I were both involved with Laura's House, which is the best violence agency in California. And he just happened to invite me to lunch to to sort of pick my brain about another subject. And I was so impressed by him. 
and his devotion to women in difficult circumstances, I asked him to write the book with me, and he did an outstanding job, and I think we're both really pleased with it. That's really great. And Adam Dodge, you know, I don't often get former divorce attorneys who've devoted themselves to victims of domestic violence. What was your reason for doing that and and the story that led you to make that decision? Well, I get that question a lot because (laughs) what you're zeroing in on is, I think what a lot of people zero in on is it's unusual or I think there's three things that are unusual about it. One, like you said, former family law attorneys don't typically jump into the nonprofit field to work with domestic violence survivors. Two, it's rare that men work in the domestic violence field. And three, I'm not a survivor of domestic violence, so I don't I don't have an origin story or a history with it. I was exposed to working with domestic violence survivors at pro bono clinics very early on in my family law career, and it really resonated with me. For some reason, I'm just wired to work with domestic violence survivors. It doesn't a lot of people think, oh, how that must be so difficult. You must take that work home with you. But I don't. For whatever bizarre reason, I'm wired for it, and I'm extremely passionate about it. And count myself very lucky that I discovered the field that really is the field that I think I was meant to be in. And it's been a wonderful journey. I've been at Laura's house for seven years, and I wouldn't change a thing. And I think the most dramatic thing about working at Laura's house is going from being an attorney, as you know, you're the captain of the ship and you are making the decisions whether you're in the courthouse or not, and going from that perspective to rather going from representing clients to empowering them to represent themselves is a whole different ballgame. I found that I really enjoyed that aspect of the work as well. When Jill asked me to co-author the book with her, I was really drawing on my experience of empowering women to represent themselves more so than my experience as a family law attorney, although that helped. And it was just one of those universally perfect times when she asked me to do that because I, I think it was the book that I was meant to write with her and so glad that she chose me. I feel very lucky. So the subject of your book is empowering women emotionally and legally to decide first whether or not they want a divorce and what options they have on that, and then how to sort of go through the process of divorce. And And so it seems like the two of you are, are well-suited to take the two aspects of that, the decision-making process, and it's really a series of decisions, right, all along the way. And how was it working together with your different backgrounds and training? I think it was seamless. I think it was it was really very, very easy. Adam's a very easy person to work with. He has this attitude that helping to empower women is the most masculine thing he's ever done in his life. And I, I find that just, yeah, I don't even have the words for it. You know, it's just an amazing attitude. And so I thought it was, I thought it was easy. We both agreed on the idea of the book and what we wanted to give women in this book, this empowerment and this choice to make for themselves. It's not a pro-divorce book. It's a, a, a book if you are considering it, the things to consider, emotional and legal things to consider, the issues to consider before you divorce. And then if you decide to divorce, going through that process emotionally and legally, because as you know, Catherine, uh, as as a family law attorney, the emotional nature 
of a woman going through divorce changes, you know, a dozen or five dozen times going through a divorce. And then at the end, the last third is really coming out the other side of divorce because, you know, when you have children, it's not over just because it's over. You know, you're, you're tied to this person for a very long time. And there's a lot of emotional and legal issues that happen post-divorce and, and may keep happening. And, and there's new subjects and new opportunities to explore post-divorce. And so I thought it was easy. We each wrote our own end of the discussion and then put it together and really agreed completely on the issues that we wanted to discuss. Adam, were there any surprises for you in writing this book together with Jill Murray in terms of a different approach, something you hadn't thought of or or not? Well, first off, it was a wonderful experience for me. A little intimidating. Jill's written several bestsellers, and this was my first book. So, But like she says, it was surprisingly seamless. We were really on the same page. I think for me, you know, my father was an attorney. My mother was a therapist. So I am sort of raised to key in on these issues. But yeah, there were there were definitely some surprises. Jill, when I would talk to Jill about experiences I would have with a client, let's say somebody comes into the office and has been misinformed about their legal rights and are suffering from extreme stress and anxiety over that. And it's my role to provide them with information and power them with information to set them on the right path and sort of try to dismiss these inaccurate legal understandings that they've picked up along the way. And Jill was really instrumental in giving me some emotional insight because this book's really also for lawyers and for therapists as well. You can pick up a lot of cross-training skills as a therapist or as a lawyer to assist your clients, not just in your chosen profession. So as an attorney, she would give me some really interesting insights into the emotional state of my clients and how to communicate with them and what they're going through. And it, and it really gave me new perspective. And I think that came through in the book. So yeah, that was probably my the biggest surprise and the biggest benefit to writing the book for me. This is Dialogue on Divorce. I'm Catherine Miller, and I'm talking today with Dr. Jill Murray and Adam Dodge about their new book, The Empowered Woman's Guide to Divorce. And Jill, I'm wondering, I mean, these emotional reactions that women have, do men not have them as well? Absolutely. I think men do have them. Adam and I have talked a lot about this. You know, it's The Empowered Woman's Guide to Divorce, but of course, men can read this as well and just flip it to the empowered man's guide to divorce, men absolutely do have the same feelings, the feelings of loss, the feelings of fear, the feelings of, oh my gosh, you know, I'm not going to see my children every day. I'm not going to see my children wake up or put them in bed. Financial fears, certainly. Where are they going to live? How are they going to live? A lot of times men depend on women as their emotional anchor. And so they're losing that. So, yes, men do have the same feelings. We just decided, since we deal largely with women, both of us, that it would be a good first stab at this to write the Empowered Woman's Guide to Divorce, but it doesn't mean at all that men are immune to anything that we're writing or that they shouldn't read the book as well. That's interesting. Adam, I'm thinking about your work in in empowering women to represent themselves in family law proceedings. And I'm also thinking about something that you, Jill, said a a little while ago about 
sort of the change that these women and men need to have an internal change about sort of becoming sort of more proactive and less reactive. Those are my words, not yours. And it seems like that's really well represented in this idea of representing oneself in a family law proceeding. And Adam, I'm wondering what your experience is with that. Right. There are a few things that, a few ground rules or a few concepts that I'm always stressing and re-stressing with our clients throughout divorce process, whether it's contemplating divorce, during divorce, or even post-divorce, because they're there are things, there are ideas and concepts that I think are easy for somebody to remember. One, and I'll just share a couple of them, but one thing that I always talk to clients about is about changing their, their perspective is your act. I tell them your actions are now evidence. So your actions are evidence. Anything you say or do or don't do can now be used in a court of law as it relates to your divorce. So you need to be constantly thinking about that. And examples are sending that text message or a social media post or leaving that voicemail or being difficult and refusing to co-parent fairly. These things do not just disappear into the ether after they happen. They are logged, often intentionally, by the person doing it, if it's a text message or a social media post, or they're logged by their partner. And that can come back to haunt them. So they need to understand that their actions have consequences and their actions have evidence. Are evidence. So things like that that I try to, to work with them on. Another thing that we deal a lot with is a lot of our clients or a lot of the clients that I work with tend to be paralyzed by legal threats that they've received, whether it was an intentional threat or not. You know, you're not going to get the kids or I'm going to bleed you dry or we're going to be wrapped up in court for years or you're going to have to get a job and move out. And a lot of the women that I work with will believe those threats on the surface. And they will change their course of conduct based on those threats, usually staying in a relationship they don't want to be in or purposefully not exploring whether that's an actual, that those threats or those claims are consistent with the law. So working with them to identify legal threats, verify whether they're true or not, and then making an informed decision to move forward, giving them tools that they can use anytime, not just when they're working with me, to move forward as opposed to staying stuck or even moving backwards. Those are some of the, the things that we work on to change perspective with our clients and in the book. That sounds like very well thought out and very well organized. And Jill, is there are there some emotional or strategic ways that people could start thinking about this in, in, in order to help themselves through that sort of paralyzing fear? Yes, because you're right. It is paralyzing fear. And that paralyzing fear really does paralyze women and men, of course, as well, and in a marriage that is probably long over. And I think the one that I'd really like to talk about is the idea that love is a behavior, not just a feeling. And so as a therapist, of course, I'm very interested in people's feelings. Of course, I am. But I'm more interested in people's behavior. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we talk about love, it's very easy to get caught up in, I love you, I love you, you know I love you, I love you to death, which always scares me. That is a little um, scary. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, people say that all the time. I love you to death. and I, I, It makes me cautious, right? So I think when we start thinking in our, our marriages or in our relationships, our marital relationship, our relationship with other people, 
that love is a behavior. It's the way somebody treats you all the time and the way you treat another person as well. Not just when things are going well, because it's easy to be a great person when things are going well. I think you really see somebody's character when things are not going well. And, you know, if there's abuse, if there's affairs, if there's lies, if there's, you know, if you feel lonely in your marriage, feeling alone in your marriage is just probably the worst place to be. If you're being treated with disrespectful or or hostile behaviors, or you're not an equal partner in your marriage, you'd be surprised. Well, you might not be surprised, but your parents might be surprised about how many women are not equal partners in their marriage in, in financial decisions or have financial access, or they're not even on the titles of their homes, or they're given allowances, quote unquote, by their husbands. Or they don't have access to finances, you know, through a checking account or a debit card or even a savings account, anything like that. They don't have pink slips to their cars. They're they're told to sign the back pages of joint tax returns without an opportunity to look at the documents. I mean, I have a client that I see now, a patient who's actually a very wealthy woman, and she's directed not to get the mail. Well, why wouldn't she be able to get the mail? You know, what is this person hiding? So, but he loves her. You know, he tells her he loves her. These are all, you know, non-loving behaviors. So I encourage people, Catherine, to look at the behaviors in their relationship or the behaviors in their marriage and ask themselves if they consider it loving behaviors. I think women get to define love for themselves. They don't have to accept the definition that their husband gives them because their husband may think that. These are loving behaviors, but they don't feel like loving behaviors to the woman when they're not an equal partner or when they're being called names or when they're being grabbed or when they're left alone emotionally. And so I think love as a behavior is really a life changer. That's a very interesting idea and I think a very valuable one. This is Dialogue on Divorce. I'm Catherine Miller. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM, alternate Wednesdays from 5 to 530 and also on a podcast that's available on my website, www.westchesterfamilylaw.com, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And I'm wondering if our listeners are interested in finding out more about your book or about the two of you, where can they get that information? Adam, do you want to give us a start? Sure. You can find us on our website, which is empoweredwomansdivorce.com. We're also on Facebook under Empowered Woman's Guide. We have a regular blog post on our website and daily posts and comments on news media articles or, you know, insights or original content that we post. So we're always trying to provide new content for readers that cover this sort of intersection, as Jill puts it, between the legal and emotional sides of divorce and encourage people to look through it look through it through that lens, because it really is, you can't really have one without the other. So those are the two places people can find us. And Jill, more information about you? Sure. I can be reached and you can get more information and blog posts and contact me through my website, which is www.drjillmurray.com, D-R-J-I-L-L-M-U-R-R-A-Y.com. And you know, I think as Adam may have mentioned, there's an opportunity to look at our book and purchase our book through our website or just going on Amazon.com. 
you can peek inside and, and you can look around the book and see if it's a book that resonates with you. Adam, you know, one of the things that your book is about is, I think, first deciding whether or not a woman wants a divorce or not. And what are some of the things you think that women who are thinking about it should consider in making that decision? Well, there's a lot, and I'm sure you know this very well, there's a lot of misinformation out there. So I always encourage them. Very often they will have done some research on their own or talk to friends who've been through divorce. And the result is, they obtain information that either isn't consistent with the law completely or it just isn't relevant to their divorce. So one of the things that I really encourage them to do at the outset is I guide them to websites that are not trying to make money off them and provide verified legal information in their state, in their county, about the steps to take to get a divorce, frequently ask questions, what the forms look like. I usually will encourage them to take a look at a financial form, whether it's schedule of assets and debts or income and expense, to get an idea of what kind of information they're going to need to have. Because as Jill mentioned, many do not have access or have never thought to gain access to those things. So they don't really have an accurate snapshot of what their finances look like. And it's really hard to plan for your future if you don't know what your finances look like or what kind of support you'd have to pay or receive. Because I certainly don't want to imply that women are not the breadwinners. We work with plenty of women who are. But that being said, many do not have an idea of what their spouse makes. And there are different credit card accounts they don't know about, things of that nature. So I I encourage them to be more proactive at the beginning, get the right information, try to safely collect as much financial information as they can. So when and if they do decide to move forward, it's an informed decision based on accurate data related to their marriage and accurate data related to the law in their jurisdiction. So that they should really do some research, both about their own situation and their own finances and the law in their jurisdiction, rather than the sort of stories that what we think of as the Greek chorus, oh, well, my cousin got this, or you should ask for that, or these terror stories, oh, my God, don't do this because blah, 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 whatever could happen. It sounds like you're talking about some real sort of concrete information. And Definitely. and for you, Jill, when people are making a decision, there's I think it's a, it's a huge emotional decision too. I mean, even all things being equal in the economics and the law, making a decision, you know, to end one's marriage and to take you know strike off on a different path than one thought when they walk down the aisle. What are some of the things that you think women should think about when making the emotional decision whether or not to pursue a divorce? Well, you're right. I mean, it's a very emotional decision, and there's so much involved with that. Of course, if you have children, that's a very, very big consideration. I find that women who have children, particularly young children, they're really fearful about this and how it's going to affect the children, the ways children will be quote-unquote damaged or this will affect them the rest of their lives. And they feel personally, the woman feels personally responsible for breaking up the family. And it's no one person who decides to divorce. It's no one person who, quote-unquote, breaks up the family. It's really two people. I think that you need to consider a lot of things. I think you have to consider how your relationship has affected you emotionally and physically. There's a lot of physical symptoms involved, like depression, anxiety, stress, heart conditions, things like this that happened 
in in difficult relationships, you have to really consider what have you tried uh, before you pursue that. If you pursued marriage counseling or individual counseling or pastoral counseling or perhaps maybe a marriage retreat or looked into self-help books, those are all really valuable. And maybe consider what if you don't divorce? What's going to happen to you emotionally and physically? And what do your children deserve in their lives? Uh, you know, they they deserve two happy parents, um, two um, emotionally put together parents, whether that's together or separately. That's and then, of course, taking consultation is important. Right. Well, thank you so much for your advice and for your comments today, Dr. Jill Murray, Adam R. Dodge, authors of The Empowered Woman's Guide to Divorce. Thanks for being our guest today. Thank you so much, Catherine. Thank you, Catherine.